Well, I would say everything's possible as long as you have friends, could be personal and professional, people that would support you and that you have an objectives. And at the end of the day, you know, now we are, I co-founded that company, that business. We are now in three countries. It's going to be more. We're talking to, you know, to high levels of companies. We're moving to another industry. We're talking to ministers. You know, we're talking about something that matters. And as long as you believe in it, actually, you don't have to be just in the mode of what you think is the mode of one company or one community. Being a little bit different can also bring something. And I think I brought a bit of my artistic point that was hidden in my earlier career to put it up front and, you know, not being shy of showing also something different from what your colleagues are. And that's very complimentary and can bring something more. You're listening to Flipping the Barrel Podcast, a women's perspective in oil and gas. We are your hosts, Macy and Jamie. And our mission here is simple, to bring you the untold stories of this industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Flipping the Barrel, a podcast where we interview leaders in the energy space to uncover and find out more about their career and life journeys. Today, we have Cindy Demichel, who is the CEO and co-founder of Celsius Energy, a startup offering sustainable means of heating and cooling buildings with geoenergy. By connecting buildings to the earth, CO2 emissions are reduced by up to 90% and operational costs lowered by up to 60%. Celsius Energy is part of the SLB New Energy, where Cindy has worked since 2004. She joined the organization as a geologist and then went on to hold several positions, including a role in the R&D management team. In 2017, with her two co-founders, she boldly decided to maximize on the technical expertise and industrial know-how of SLB to found Celsius Energy, and so to contribute to the fight against climate change. Wow, Cindy, we really look forward to getting to know more about you. You have a very different story from a lot of the guests that we've had, starting in a big global company and starting a startup within it. So we look forward to finding out more about your journey. Thank you. Thank you very much. So very excited to be here. Heard a lot about the other stories you guys have been exposed to. Very glad to be here and to show you a little bit what Southwood Energy is doing and where we come from and what the ambitions we have for to fight climate change indeed. Well, let's start with who Cindy is, because that's really at the core of what started Celsius and really your initiative is really what drove you. And you were born and raised in France in the busy town of Paris, which had to have been beautiful. Your father worked in the nuclear industry and your parents, like most French families, pushed their kids into science degrees. At your core, you were an artist, which I could definitely see that growing up in France. That was your passion and your hobby. However, you decided to prioritize getting a degree and focusing on your studies Can you bring us back to your upbringing and really what fostered that artistic side of you and what made you get a degree and study geology? Sure. So actually, not only my father, but my parents as well. My mother was working on the nuclear industry indeed. Probably I didn't notice that. And I was very focused on indeed, like drawing and making stuff like most artistic. And, you know, in France, what's happening if you're good at school is that you are kind of pushed to do something scientific, become an engineer, do an MSc and et cetera. So that's basically what I did. And indeed, I was like more like following the flow and ended up like having to choose through a very, you know, theoretical mathematics and physics type of studies or biology, geology. And that's what I choose because it was closer to probably mother nature kind of. I ended up indeed going through geology 
And I really enjoy that. And this is the way I entered actually the petroleum industry, oil and gas, through Schlumberger, that is now called SLB. And I had started a career being more like a technical career, geologist and reservoir engineer, and kind of one thing after the other, moving to the management ladder and yeah, managed project and teams then actually ended up at a point where I was part of the management team of like the biggest R&D branch of SLB. So overlooking at like 70 people across the five continents and trying to grow them in R&D and in quality, actually. Yeah. Wow, Cindy. So, you know, going back to when you graduated, like you mentioned, you started your industry experience with SLB as a reservoir engineer in their Claremont, France facility. Question on just early on, let's say the first two to three years of you joining the industry, what were some of your ambitions? Did you think that one day you would be, you know, the co-founder of a startup and in this climate kind of change? Or did you really think maybe you'd just go through management? Like, did you have any sort of ambition of like what you saw your career look like in the future? Well, probably not. I was, yeah, absorbing a lot, absorbing in the technical side, in the spirit of that big company and very interested in this like multinational company, all the countries, all the cultures. So very rich and well environment. So getting a lot out of it and being at the heart of what the energy sector is about and all the flows and even geopolitical, you could understand a lot from within. So that's really what was, you know, fitting me at the time. Mm. So I wasn't really sure I would be an entrepreneur of any kind at the time. Well, it wasn't too long. And then you kind of started and created these ideas about Celsius and it happened pretty fast. And, you know, there's a lot of times where we think of things, but we talk ourselves out of it and we think like, there's no way this is going to work. I don't have the support or we just bypass ideas. Can you tell us a little bit about how did you overcome those thoughts when you first started thinking about the company and then how also it would work since you were working for SLB at the time? I know now it's part of SLB, but who knows if that was really your initial thought. So can you walk us through like how you overcome those fears too when you come up with such a great idea and how you gain support? Yeah, sure. So actually, probably one of the most important place in a company is the coffee machine. And that all started at the coffee machine, to be frank. So it was really myself and my two co-founders, Mathieu and Sylvain, two other engineers in SLB. And basically around the coffee machine, we really were like, okay, there is this climate urgency on one side. So what is it we could do for to fight against that? And on the other side, there was all, you know, the toolbox of SLB, the know-how, this digital expertise and all this industrial part, plus the, you know, being the leader in the subsurface characterization and, you know, exploration production. So how can we combine those two and make a business out of it that would fight against climate change and being, you know, reduce drastically the emissions? And indeed, that started in 2017 when we all have our own jobs. So that was really like making it on a night and weekend type of basis on top of our job. So for two years, we were maturing and looking like 360 degrees. What is it we could do? And then, you know, at some point we zoomed, we narrowed it down to the subsurface of so geothermal and geoenergy. And after two years, so end of 2019, I actually flew over to Houston to meet the CEO of SRB, Schlumberger at the time, to see how can we actually make it a business. And at that point, we got the goal 
the green light to start. So we were three of us plus one intern. And then 2019, really, there was a maturation of the business model. 2020, we made our first pilot installation in our own buildings in Clamart, Paris area, to retrofit one building. And then 2021, commercial development. And here we are, we're now 140 people across three countries. So France, the UK and now the US, especially like Northeast US and New England based in Boston. We're probably about to get the first project signs over there. We made some very nice projects already. So really, really great part. What an incredible journey. I think you make it sound very easy and flawless, but what you've accomplished is tremendous. Not everybody gets to do that, especially to get the buy-in, like to say, go present to the CEO, this idea that started around a coffee machine and look at where it is now. So congratulations. I don't want to make it sound that easy. (laughs) You know, this is like the startup story, but of course there was highs and lows. There were moments where we doubted, right? And this is human and this is normal. And then we, the moments where we pivoted. So indeed, like Make it a summary in 30 seconds, easy, but there were some eyes and lows, of course. And now a little word from our sponsor, Technip FMC. Macy, you know what I appreciate about them as a sponsor is their mission is directed towards a more inclusive and diverse workforce. One of the reasons why we started this podcast was to move the industry forward, and they back that belief. Their focus is creating a culture of inclusion that will attract, develop, and retain a more diverse, talented group and ensure their employees can always bring their authentic selves to work. Beyond the DNI, they're also big into technologies. They believe in change and innovation in everything they do. Their offerings range from individual products and services to fully integrated solutions with a single interface to ensure a seamless execution. Their core focus is on the energy transition, emerging materials, and digital industrialization. To find out more about their most popular technologies like iProduction, iComplete, eMission, and iEPCI, go to technipfmc.com. And now, back to the show. So as you're doing all of this, startup in 2017 or you mentioned you know you're a mother a wife an employee and a co-founder you mentioned you worked on this on the weekends and the evenings this really consumed you because you wanted this to be successful can you tell us a little bit about just how did you manage all of those tasks with how you know busy you were especially being a mother etc you know how did you not get overworked or burned out and you know how did you prioritize yourself during this process well, first, I think in this journey, in this adventure, I actually onboarded my family with me and especially my husband, who was really supportive of what we were trying to do. So that brings a lot of, uh, you know, buying and support and help as well, you know, finding out. And especially in the early days where, of course, you had doubts and you don't know if it's going to be left or right. But then, yeah, getting the support from the family was essential and being translating that into how can we make it at home, you know, splitting the work and et cetera, and understanding and flexi- getting flexibility and, and all of this. And I think I did kind of the same with my kids as well. So now it's been a while now, four years, but you know, they know what geoenergy is. They can visit the installation. They understand they got the first newspaper. So they're very excited about that. And that actually helps. It doesn't reduce the amount of work, 
but that helps to make everybody understand as well what is it that I'm doing and how they can contribute is actually by supporting me and myself also trying to balance and make sure I'm here for the important moments as well. I love that you talked about your kids being involved because I think that's such an amazing part of them following the journey with you and they feel like they're a part of it. So them even seeing like the newspaper and like the articles and they're like, oh, that's my mom. Like, that's so cool. So that's really exciting and great that you shared. I did want to take a step back when you were talking about the development of the company and all of the highs and lows that you had. Is there a certain time where you felt that you couldn't go forward? And if there was, how did you overcome that fear? Because I just want people to understand that the story sounds like very easy when you were talking about it, because you, like you said, you're summarizing it in 30 seconds, but it was definitely, it took a few years and then you had to pitch and get buy-in. So was there a period or is there any struggle you could share with us during that time so that we could just kind of understand you know, and take some feedback from how in our daily lives we could overcome maybe something that we might be challenged with? Well, of course, there was doubt and moments before it was like we got the green light. There was moments where, you know, there was doubt indeed. And I think what helped was that we were three, right? And when you are three, you're not just the only one supporting the load, and the doubts or the highs and lows. And there is always somebody that is like, come on, guys, we're going to make it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, so, you know, you can count on each other. And that's a real strength, I think. And probably one thing is, let's not believe that you can handle it all by your own. And out of the three of us, there was also mentors. And in that company, SLB, really, we all have to understand that this is a company. So there was no entrepreneurship program. But the people in that company are willing to listen, are willing to support initiatives. And that's definitely something that I do not think is present everywhere. And really probably one advice that I would have or or something that I follow is to try to identify the people that are your allies, would you say that, your mentors and sometimes coach, right? And that you can openly talk to and somebody, they would openly talk to you as well and give you some feedback. And that actually helps guiding the moves and maybe thinks about the steps ahead and not being just stuck in the hard part that you might encounter at some point. So yeah, given us perspectives and good advices. So being surrounded by the right people, identifying the right people around you to move forward and sometimes to tell you here, I think you are making a mistake, you know. Mm-hmm. I like that you shared that. It's interesting because, you know, with Jamie and I, we're two, and this happens all the time where we may be scared to do something and one of us walks the other one like, we've got this and then the other one's stressed and then one's stressed. So yeah. I can see that dynamic with the three of you of just, there's always one person that, you know, will take it for the team and be that happy face of, we can do this, don't worry. And so thanks for sharing that. When did your passion for new energy start? You know, why is saving the planet, helping reduce emission, carbon footprint and achieving net zero on your priority list? Do you think having children made a, you know had an impact on you on those topics? And was it sometimes difficult? Because I think a lot of people may struggle with this when they are in the energy industry. You know, they're in the core of oil and gas, but they also feel the struggle of sustainability. And so, you know, how did you work that balance out? Yeah. So, yeah, indeed. So, kids and you know everything you hear around makes me more and more aware of what's going on. And probably, let's say, 10 years ago, I started, you know, applying to myself, reducing my own footprints, carbon footprints. And that goes through 
you know, food, big one, you know, the more meat you eat, the biggest your footprint is, the, that's it. And then, you know, mobility, cars, and, you know, everything actually, and buying maybe less stuff or secondhand type of thing. Once I did all those efforts, right, and I looked at my own footprint, fine, I managed to get it smaller to decrease it. But at the end of the day, what I was doing for work was counting as well. And this is where I started to say, okay, my impact cannot just be on me and my family, but can be bigger than that. And this is how I was like, I need to do something from within in the company. And as I said, this company was really willing to hear and willing to try new things. And this is how I got to new energies, really. I think that's so amazing that the company stood behind you during this time and in a time where it was so needed as well. So it really shows just their flexibility in such a big company where we usually hear they don't have much. They definitely leaned into you and your initiative. To end, we wanted to talk about you know, looking back on your career and everything that you've been through, through starting the company, through you know picking the degree that you did, and you know just looking back. You know, what's one piece of advice that you would give your younger self, knowing what you know now? Well, I would say everything's possible as long as you have. Friends could be personal and professional, people that would support you and that you have an objectives. And at the end of the day, you know, now we are, I co-founded that company, that business. We are now in three countries. It's going to be more. We're talking to, you know, to high levels of companies. We're moving to another industry. We're talking to ministers. You know, we're talking about something that matters. And as long as you believe in it, actually, you don't have to be just in the mode of what you think is the mode of one company or one community. Being a little bit different can also bring something. And I think I brought a bit of my artistic point that was hidden in my earlier career to put it up front and, you know, not being shy of showing also something different from what your colleagues are. And that's very complimentary and can bring something more. You know, like you said, believing anything is possible truly is really good advice because your story exactly just showcases that sometimes even things that look impossible, because if you were to ask me just a startup within a hundred thousand person company, heavy into oil and gas and switching into the energy transition and you being able to co-found this and now be in three countries, a hundred plus employees within Celsius is a story that most people would think that's impossible, you know, until they hear it. And so I think with the people listening to this podcast, the best advice here is that if you think outside the box and you challenge the status quo into something that you really think can have an impact, it could be possible. You just have to, like you said, surround yourself with the right people, find those supporters. You know, it can be possible. So thank you so much, Cindy, for such an incredible story and truly inspiring that anything is possible at the end. Yeah, it is. It is. So just get the right people. It's okay if you don't find the right idea right away. It will come at some point and, you know, be flexible and you'll get there somehow. Thank you, Cindy, for spending your time with us. We really appreciate all the advice and feedback that you gave today. Thank you very much. Thank you. And if you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment, follow us. We love to hear from you. And thank you and tune in again. (laughs) 